0: Welcome to the Dave Mars Show, everyone. It's great to have you here. The best way to support this show is completely free. It'd really mean a lot to me and be a huge help if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or just share the show with your friends in any way you can. Another way to support the show is signing up for my email list using the link in the show notes in the description. Members of my email list will get to submit Q&A questions, which I'll be answering every few weeks on the podcast. I really appreciate the support, everyone. Let's get started with today's show. If you want to be successful over the next 20 to 30 years, this is going to be one of the most important concepts that you can learn and understand. The goal as a creator is to be prolific and to be on offense, so you can always strike first and always get your art out to the world. If the reverse happens, you don't understand the world, then you're always on defense, and life feels like it's coming at you so fast, you can never keep up. This episode is all about being on offense understand the future that we're going into, and making the best moves so you can continue to be a prolific creator. If you look around you, you might notice that everything feels like it's speeding up. Time appears to be getting faster and faster. Technology is advancing at an ever faster rate. If you look back to 2007, that was the first year that everybody had iPhones. Now it's 2021, and the entire world is completely different. If you look back that same range as we just looked back, say from 2021 to 2007, if you go back to 1990, the difference between 1990 and say 2000 aren't that much different. Things are pretty close to the same as far as technological advancement. Computers got a little bit better. There weren't smartphones. There were cell phones, but they weren't that great yet. But as soon as you hit the smartphone era, we get decentralized computing meaning people that couldn't afford a computer before or a way to connect with thousands or even millions of people at once now had the ability to do so. So as technology gets cheaper and cheaper for the average human to get a hold of, things are going to speed up as far as time, as far as creativity, as far as chaos, and as far as all the upsides and the downsides that we had experienced in the pre-exponential age. So I see the exponential age... And I just made this term up as life after the year 2007. So you were going to start seeing some of the exponential age when the internet first came around and when computers first came around. But until it was able to be distributed across the entire world at a lower price, things weren't going to grow that fast. Because what you'll notice as soon as cell phones came around, or as soon as iPhones and smartphones came around, I should say, is that people were able to create and disseminate and share ideas at a much faster rate. So if we look at the entire globe or the entire computing model of human civilization, I see every individual's brain as an individual computer. It might not feel like a computer, but it's taking input from the world. And through decision, you're able to produce an output. And this decision runs through an algorithm, which is your brain. So you get this input from the world. Say you pick up a hot coffee. Well, when you pick up a hot coffee a million years ago, or you pick up a hot coffee now, if it burns your hand, you drop the coffee. So this is just the input and output. But now it's much different than it used to be as far as disseminating ideas across the world. So people are going to learn much faster. Because a thousand years ago, if you wanted to get an idea to move around the world, you had to figure out how to print that idea. And only a few people were able to print. Then when the printing press came around, that completely revolutionary, or that completely revolutionized, I should say, how quickly people were able to spread ideas. So now you could copy ideas and move them around much quicker with the printing press. Then the next thing that came around was the ability to type on a typewriter. And you could do the printing press and not have to depend on a third party to be able to go to and say, well, I would like to print this thing. Could you do it for me? So you could do it yourself with a typewriter. Then came personal computers. So things could speed up because you could do it yourself, but you could also do it digitally. So it could be easily copied for absolutely free and you didn't have to pay for the paper. Then the internet came around and you had your computer mixed with the internet. So not only could you do it for free in the digital world, you could spread your ideas to other people within this new internet network. So as you can see, the technology is getting cheaper and cheaper. And the ability to duplicate ideas or information is also getting cheaper and cheaper and easier to do. So as things get cheaper and as it's easier to spread ideas, you're going to get a lot more good ideas and you're going to get a lot more bad ideas. So people will see this as a downside because they'll look at the news or they'll look at the world around them and they'll say, everything's horrible. I don't like how things are going because it feels so much different than 20 years ago. Well, I got bad news for you. If you don't like it now... Things are going to speed up exponentially and get faster and faster to the point that in 15 or 20 years from now, we'll look back to 2021 and say, oh man, that feels like 1950 might feel to us right now because we're on this exponential slope of change. And if you're not able to read the landscape and grow with this exponential rate of change, you'll either get left behind which a lot of people will. This is always what happens with technological advancement. But there will also be a lot of people that are lifted out of poverty because they can now afford a way to make money or move money or create ideas or grow an audience of people that want to hear from them for a fractional of the cost they could when the computers were around. So as soon as the iPhone hit and apps started to be created that people could share art or share ideas or share anything else, it became extremely cheap to disseminate these ideas And people in Africa or people anywhere around the world that were of very low poverty levels before, not all of them, but a fraction of them were now able to make an income or talk to people or spread ideas where they weren't before. So slowly, technology lifts people out of poverty, given that freedom still exists on the planet. If you have a complete communist dictator state that controls the whole planet, Your technology isn't going to do much but hold every individual back at the hands of the state, and that's not good. So the next 20 years is going to be the fight for freedom and the fight to onboard people and their mindset and their ability to solve problems into the new exponential age. Because if we don't do both of those things at the same time, then there's going to be people that get left behind because their brains were taught to function in the pre-exponential age, pre, say, 2000-ish. And they're going to get left behind and they're going to feel very weird because they're not sure what's going on and things such as time and dissemination of information is going to feel so fast that they won't going to be keep up with it. So it used to be you would turn on three news channels and you would get your news, say, back in 1980 or something like that before satellite television came around. So you would trust these three figureheads that would come on and they would say, this is reality. This is what you must believe. But in all reality they weren't giving you the full story. But to everybody that was watching it, they were given this range of ideas from the news. So it felt calm. It felt trustworthy. It felt like these people were giving them the right idea. And they couldn't get any information outside of that. So it felt like everything was okay. So as we see the technological age ramp up post the year 2000, and especially into the smartphone age, Everybody that was given one or two choices or three choices of places to get information before now had literally a million choices of places to get information. So the brain went from three inputs from places to get information on the news to a million inputs. And this makes people feel very anxious, overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to trust. It almost feels like a new era of thinking has taken over everybody and it's a mass psychosis of the entire population of the planet where you can see people are just losing their minds and once you start covid and once people are at home and they only watch their screens and they have millions of screens or different shows to choose from they really don't know how to trust and they lose their complete sense of reality and this is the breakdown that we must avoid at all costs because this breakdown tends to push towards totalitarian regimes, which means the loss of freedom and the concrete control of technology by governments and state, which can be extremely dangerous. So in my opinion, the future will be decentralized and the future will be fully encrypted. And we're always we're already starting to see this come out, right? So by decentralized, I mean everybody will have a smartphone or everybody will have the ability to spend money and trade money and move money without third parties such as banks in the way they can cut off their money if they don't like what they're doing this will have upsides and downsides of course there'll be a lot of crime committed from it but there'll also be a lot of people that are under totalitarian regimes right now that will be able to have more freedom than they used to have because they can now move money transactions across the world without a third party involved saying hey you can't do this the other decentralization part will be Everybody will have a device that they are able to communicate directly with everybody else. So right now you have companies like Google and Facebook, and they are the intermediary or the gatekeeper between you being able to talk to somebody else. Say in the beginning, you could put something on Facebook and everybody that was following you would see what you put out. But now they've said, well, we can't make any money off that model. We need to limit your reach. We won't show everybody what you're putting out on our platform, and you'll have to pay to show more people what you're putting out there. So you can see that this is the third party, and this is a centralized third party that can dictate what other people see when you put out. And that's their business model, so they're welcome to do that, in my opinion. But there are going to be decentralized services that come around where once you have this decentralized service, there is no third party or gatekeeper in the middle keeping your ideas from spreading to other people around the world. So, technology will become decentralized, money will become decentralized, and everything else that you see around you that can go into a digital machine will also become decentralized. Because what's going to happen is people are going to look at their options. They're going to say, I can take a centralized network such as Facebook or Google, and I can hope that they have the same interests and the same goals as me. And if we have the same goals and they overlap, They'll probably continue to spread my message. But if you have a message, as we've been seeing in the past three years, I warned everybody of this like five years ago on YouTube. I made a video. People were like, You're crazy. But if your message lies outside of the narrative that these centralized technological companies want you to have, then they'll limit the reach of your message and they might just completely remove you from their platform, as we've seen over the past two years, more and more likely to happen. So, Eventually, people will get fed up with this and they'll say, we want to be able to stalk freely, just like people that show up together at a party. They don't want a third party in between them and somebody they're having a conversation with saying, well, you shouldn't talk to this person. This person might be dangerous. If somebody did that to me at a bar and the bar allowed that to happen or anywhere else you might hang out, I would leave that place and look for something or somewhere to hang out that didn't have that happen. So the downside of decentralization is that it doesn't move as quickly, and it needs to be heavily encrypted. Because if you think about what these third-party platforms like Google and Facebook do, they provide a very high level of security and encryption on their platform. So when you're on their platform, they harvest all of your information, but they make sure that there's an outside barrier or wall around the platform so other people can't break in and get your information. Now, of course, there are breaches where somebody breaks in. But as far as security and encryption and technology, the big companies on the planet that are working in the digital realm right now have the best security and encryption on the planet. So when you go to the decentralized platforms, and you'll start to see these pop up more and more, everybody's individual device needs to have heavy encryption on it. And this is something people are going to need to learn, that if you don't want to get your money stolen, if you don't want to get your creative ideas stolen or your intellectual property stolen, people are going to have to get good at operating on computers in a way that they don't get hacked or all of their stuff stolen. Because as more and more people come online, that's also going to open up open up a lot of alleyways for thieves that used to work in the material world to work in the digital world. So decentralization and encryption are going to get better and better. And people are going to want to hear ideas from other people that have different ideas than them. And they might completely disagree with these people. But what's happening now with these central authorities and third parties, such as Facebook, Instagram, Google, any other of these massive tech companies, Twitter, they're saying, well, we've decided that you don't get to hear from these people that you disagree with because it might be dangerous for you or it might not be good for you in the long run. And what really they're doing is they're making a place that they can control the entire narrative so they can sell more ads and make more money, but it ends up costing you the ability to hear outside and differing ideas. So it makes people very tribal and they get extremely angry at each other. So they just say, I want this person canceled and removed. It's basically the modern era of the Salem witch trials. You guys can read the history on that. Very similar to what's happening now. And I would also say that if you want to get a really good idea for what a worst case scenario can happen with the design of how people are acting on the planet, look into the Chinese Cultural Revolution. And you'll see a lot of overlap between what's happening now and what happened during the Chinese Cultural Revolution, except theirs was in physical reality, and this cultural revolution is within digital reality. But exactly the same human mind is creating these atrocities. So check that out if you want to read up it on it. The books by Frank Ducoiter on Chinese Cultural Revolution is fantastic. So a few things to think about when we're moving forward in the exponential age. It's going to be more and more easy to get left behind in the exponential age but it's also going to be very easy to spread your ideas and it's the most free and the most beneficial time in human history to be a creator and to get ideas out to the world and to share your art it's actually the best time of all if you think about this even if you want to make the comparison that social media sucks and that they limit your reach and your ability to share stuff with people well 50 years ago You had no ability to share stuff with people unless you were selected by one of these big organizations, such as the news or a newspaper, to feature your items. So, even with limited reach, you can do stuff like podcasts, you can put videos out on YouTube, anything else. You still have the ability to reach more people now than ever before in human history. So, people can either take advantage of that and they can use this exponential nature of the internet and of sharing ideas to get their ideas out to a thousand people or a million people with the same ease. So the number one priority for creators to look at over the next, probably the rest of their lifetime, essentially, is to look at systems for getting their ideas out. And they need to be able to see the difference between a linear system and an exponential system. So a linear system is something that increases or decreases, but it does it at the same rate every year. So if you look at this, A good example would be a nine to five job. If you have a nine to five job, let's say you're making $100,000 a year at your job. I just made up an easy round number. Well, you'll probably get a three to 5% raise a year. So the following year, your salary will be 105,000. And then after that, it will be three to 5% of that. So it will grow at this same rate. And you guys can Google, go to Google and Google linear versus exponential curves. And then click on Google Images, and it will show you. So a linear curve is just a flat line. It's going to increase or decrease at the same rate. An exponential curve is a curved line. And it's going to increase or decrease starting at a smaller rate. And then it's going to slowly speed up. And as it gets further and farther along, this exponential is going to cause it to grow extremely quickly and get outsized results for the input. So a good example of this that everybody can easily visualize is investing in the long-term stock market. So you could just pick something that's easy to think about, say the S&P 500 in the stock market, which is the 500 largest market caps in the United States and they put all of these companies into an index and you can just invest in this index and it will grow on average over 30 to 50 years at the rate of 7 to 10% a year. It'll have some years where it's way down, it'll have some years where it's way up. But if you put $100 in that thing in 19 say 80, it's going to grow slowly at first because it'll double. Say you put $100 in it. Maybe it'll double in 6 years, so then it's $200. Then it'll double in six more years. So it's $400. Then in six more years, it'll double again. So it's $800. Then it'll be 16. And then 16 will double into 32. 32 will double to 64. 64 to 124. So it'll keep growing. And at first, it won't like it's growing much. But once it gets into these bigger numbers and the big numbers start doubling, you see that you become a multimillionaire late in life because you put $100 in this index market early in your life and it had exponential growth over the long term so these are very important systems to be able to see systems that scale versus systems that don't scale if you have a nine to five job nine to five jobs can be great if you want to have a family you want security if you want health care if you like what you're working on i'm not dissing nine to five jobs at all i've worked on part of my life but nine to five jobs don't scale for money And they don't scale for time usually, meaning if you go to a nine to five job, they give you a salary. You might get some overtime, but you show up and you're going to get an income every year. And it's probably going to range every year if you get overtime within plus or minus 10%, right? But if you start a technological company or an idea company or any company that can scale and get out to millions of people, when you first start, you might get zero pay. So when I first started my photography business and some of my other online businesses, the first year I was losing money because I was investing money to build the company. And I had this idea that I wanted to scale in my mind, but I was losing money because I didn't have any customers yet. But slowly I got one customer. And then I guess you could just use this as audience or customers or whatever you want. Slowly I got one person that listened to what I was putting out. Then I got two. Then I got four. Then I got eight. Then I got 16. And you could see this exponential scale starting to go on. So once you're down the road, say 10 years from starting your company, and if it's successful, you might have a million people listening to what you're doing, but you're still doing the same amount of work of putting out content as you were when you were making negative dollars in the beginning. And you might actually be doing less work over time and be making more money because your content creation systems and your brain will get better at doing this stuff more efficiently. So if you're looking for exponential returns in life and exponential returns in all aspects of life, then starting your own company is a way to do it. And you have a capped downside, meaning you can only go broke if you don't take out a bunch of loans to build your company and you just fund it yourself. Then you can only go back to broke or you can go back to the job you were working before. I did a previous podcast on this, on capping the downsides with infinite upside. So you can look all through your life and you can say, what are the things that I like to do that give me energy that I really want to get better at? And then what of these things that give me energy and I want to get better at can scale and have exponential growth? So anything that you're doing on the internet where you can write blog post articles, where you can make YouTube videos, where you can record podcasts where you can get stuff out to one person or a billion people with the same amount of ease with the click of a button with the recording of a voice with the recording of a video then that is an exponential or scalar growth this is something that can give you a very large benefit if you're willing to risk some of your ego and say let's try it let's see what happens i want to get ideas out there and change how some people think on the planet you guys can google this article I wrote on this, it's called Secret to a Creative Life, Dave Morrow. You can just Google that term, Secret to a Creative Life, Dave Morrow. It should pop up. It's on my blog. But if you're looking across everything you could do in life and you want to have the ability to affect the most people and teach the most people, exponential systems are the way to do it. Now, you could still teach people in person as well. I personally love to mix both. I like to teach workshops in person where I take people out on adventures because I really like interacting with individual people. But those people that come to my workshops found me because of these exponential systems of scale. So the workshops are not exponential. I can only teach eight people at a time over a weekend. And I really like that interaction because I like how the teaching goes in person. But my ability to find those people came from an exponential system of scale. So picking projects that give you energy And mixing systems of scale with regular linear systems like teaching in person or doing a job that's actual in physical reality can be great because you can get the best of both worlds. And if one's not working out for you, the other can. And a great example of this, which was horrible for a lot of companies, was during coronavirus, the government had the ability to say everybody needs to stay at home, which I don't agree with at all. I think people need to be able to give to have the ability to make money and feed their family. It's evil if you can't feed your family and you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. But that's another rant. But anyway, people that didn't have systems of scale couldn't thrive during coronavirus. And systems of scale come on the internet. So half of my business, which was the workshop business, got shut down during coronavirus because it ran on a national park. And national parks said, well, we're not allowed to have any workshops. So if I didn't have the exponential system of scale, which is all my online teaching and everything that I do on my website, then my business might have been in big trouble. So not only are you going to get better benefits by having these systems of scale in place, when bad things happen, you have a more spread out business model that allows you to thrive even when things go wrong in the world. And I think eventually people might merge with computers and just become completely part of computers where they will experience everything inside of a machine i don't think that's outside the realms of possibility but for now i'm going to keep teaching in person and i'm going to keep teaching online because i think the mix of both can give you benefits in both worlds but anybody has a business that plans on only staying in the linear world and not playing in the digital world Over the next 20 or 30 years, I think they're going to see their profit margins drop more and more and more until they're not making any money at all. Even things like restaurants, I think the owners will do well because the owner of a restaurant is working with an exponential system of scale. He has all these employees that are working for him and all he needs to do is up the number of customers that come visit his restaurant. Now, of course, it maxes out at the point because he can only have so many customers in his restaurant at a time. So when he hits that max point, i will say, well, I'll open another restaurant, another restaurant, another restaurant. So this one dude might open 10 restaurants, and then he's running a system of scale and physical reality. But if you're working at a restaurant over the next 20 years, I think the people serving and the people making drinks I personally like to go and have a server and have somebody make my drinks, but I think a lot of people would also like to go and have a computer. They could just push the buttons and a little robot or something would send them a drink or some food and it would make the food a lot cheaper. So people would go there to eat because they didn't want to cook for themselves at home and it might be cheaper than cooking at home. So things like this can happen with systems of scale and it's very important to be able to see how they work and how they reflect on all different parts of reality and the physical world and the digital world. So, if you're a creator, if you want to put ideas out there, if you want to get in touch with the most people, and you also want to get the benefits of the systems of scale, it's essential to understand how this stuff works and how to implement it in your own life. And everybody can learn to do this stuff. It just takes some time. It takes some really reflecting and thinking. And the best way to think clearly and the best way to have time to think is to turn off all of the systems of scale currently in place like social media stop watching news stop watching media and just say i'm not going to do that stuff until i design these own systems in my life so i can actually be the producer of knowledge and not the consumer of knowledge it's good to consume some stuff like consume books and consume things that have been vetted over the past 30 years like i don't read books that are newer than five years old, generally, because I want to see books that stand the test of time. I don't want to waste my time on books that haven't been around long. But stuff like news or breaking media or anything else that's coming out constantly, it's not going to help you out in the long term to consume all that stuff and then not build your own systems that can teach people or help people in some way, because you're going to be the long term consumer And the long-term consumer ends up being used by these systems of scale in many ways because although there are many ways that they can learn, usually the companies that are the biggest and have the most reach don't want the people to learn. They want to harvest ad revenue from them, at least in the current model. In the decentralized future where everything's encrypted and person-to-person, I think that'll be much different, but that change hasn't happened yet. So hopefully that helps you guys to see the current world we're living in and to prepare for the future and hopefully it makes you excited as well because i'm extremely optimistic about the future i think the individual and the combination of individuals in teams that want to get one specific thing done to change the world and that don't become corrupt are going to change how the entire world and the entire human operating system looks and i'm really excited for it i think there's going to be more thriving humans on the planet every day as soon as we get over this massive centralized third-party authority that controls all information and removes ideas it doesn't like but we'll get past it but we need more creators we need more ideas we need more builders we need people that will help to get this stuff out to the planet and you believe it or not are one of these people so make some cool shit and put it out there thanks for listening guys see you next time the best way to support this show is completely free It'd really mean a lot to me and be a huge help if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or just share the show with your friends in any way you can. Another way to support the show is signing up for my email list using the link in the show notes in the description. Members of my email list will get to submit Q&A questions, which I'll be answering every few weeks on the podcast. I really appreciate the support, everyone.